Welcome to the Besties with Breasties podcast. Sarah Hall here. I am a certified health and wellness coach, athletic trainer, mom, and breast cancer survivor. I help women overcome their own mind drama to make mind shifts that open up the possibility for their most empowered and energetic life. And I am Beth Wilmus, author, speaker, and founder of a human investment organization, otherwise known as a nonprofit called Faith Through Fire. Our mission is to reduce the fear and anxiety that breast cancer patients feel and replace it with hope and a path toward thriving. This podcast is about our experiences with breast cancer and life after as young survivors and moms. Beth, tell me about how your family is doing. Uh, they're doing good. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's new? Uh, well, let's think. Um, well, we recently got our flu shots. How oh, exciting is that? Very exciting. How did that go? <laughs> uh, it was fine. Uh, the kids had a half day, and so we took advantage of that to get that marked off our list. Uh, I will say, though, that our youngest, who's five, uh, upon hearing that that was the plan for the day, uh, immediately started freaking out. Oh, no. Yeah, she started crying and, you know, was really upset and was scared and um, wanted to know what it was going to be like. And at a certain point, she asked my husband and I to punch her <laughs> so she could know what to expect. At which point I was like, whoa, pump the brakes. That just took a really weird left turn. Like, no, your dad and I are not going to punch you. Um, but come to find out that she had asked Gary, you know, what is this going to feel like? And he had said just a pinch. Mm. And she thought he said a punch. punch. Yeah. It. So she was very relieved when we clarified and said, oh, no, no, no. Like not a punch, a pinch. Um, and so, but it did, it did kind of reinforce for me just the influence that we have over how our kids receive bad news mm-hmm. and the importance of delivering it in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. Because communication is super it, important. Right. Yeah. It could go really wrong, which it clearly did with the flu shot <laughs> scenario. So I actually thought it was a good thing to bring up because we're going to be talking today about who are you going to tell about your cancer diagnosis and then how are you going to tell them? So today we're going to talk about who you tell, the people closest to you, um, your friends, your family, how you tell them. Uh, Then we will talk about how they respond. So normalizing uh, what that looks like and then also give you resources for telling your kids what it went like for us and, you know, the things that we learned from how we communicated it to others. Before we dive into that, though, let's hear from our first sponsor. If you worry about bullies and bad guys and all the scary stuff our daughters face, Check out thegreatflip.com. The Great Flip is an online self-defense, safety, and empowerment resource for girls ages six and up. I certainly want my daughter to learn self-defense, and my husband and I are excited to learn self-defense skills with her. Here's how it works. Go to thegreatflip.com and request a free video and learn a new self-defense skill with your children. It's fun, playful, and empowering. Check it out at www.thegreatflip.com. So we're back. Uh, I want to know how awkward you felt it was to tell people you had cancer. Oh my gosh, I found it so awkward. I mean, you know me. <laughs> I'm, I'm such a private person. I mean, to tell somebody that, that something that personal was just my epitome of just the worst. I dreaded it. Did you, yeah. feel, did you feel that way? I could see you not feeling that way. Uh, not at all. I respect that because I see that in a lot of people that I've just talked to since being diagnosed. But Really, I wanted everyone to know, and I I actually even started a blog to share my journey and then told everybody that I was around on a daily basis. I think it's just nice to have people support you and meet you where you are and kind of have an understanding of what you're going through. So 
So you might hear something that's, I think, uh, interesting about that is that if I, if I really consider why I, I felt uncomfortable telling people that I had cancer, for me, it kind of felt like a personal failure. Like, mm. I, like I, I know logically I didn't do anything wrong. I know that. Mm-hmm. And yet it still felt somehow like a personal failure that this happened, you know, and I felt guilt over having this happen to my family in the prime of our lives. You know, mm-hmm. my husband and I are supposed to be raising our kids and just enjoying life and our careers. And then this thing happened and it's all because of me. I didn't admit that at the time, I think, because I'm a very confident person and it's just, you know, I'm like, hey, things happen, whatever. But I think looking back on it, part of the reason that it was hard for me to tell people was that I did feel like it was a personal failure. And then it felt like I was sharing that wound in addition to the diagnosis with the people that I cared about. So interesting. You know, I think as moms, we tend to put a lot on ourselves in general, you know, make sure we get the laundry done, make sure we have dinner planned, make sure the kids know where they're going. So knowing that you, you know, kind of thinking that you brought this upon your family is just another log that you add to that mom fire. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't have ever thought about that, but you know, with time comes perspective. Mm-hmm. And now when I look back, I can, you know, recognize that that was the case. So you told a lot of people, <laughs> did you put it on social? Yes. I ended up putting it on social media. I, I was pregnant. I posted, I think a week out from going in to have my daughter. Um, I ended up being induced at 35 weeks. So I put out on social media, the whole story about being diagnosed and what we were doing and and the plan that we were going to follow. And it was, it was nice. I liked having the support come back and and people reaching out, you know, what do you need? And, and having kind of that like natural energy that is out there of knowing people are praying for me, knowing people that are sending me healing vibes, you know, whatever um, the case may be, it, it felt, it felt good having people know, and then to just our family to just be supported. Yeah. What about what about you? Do you put on social media? I know Heck how much you no. love social media. Heck no, <laughs> no, no. Because I mean, you know, social media has its place. Absolutely. And I, I totally support anybody that feels supported by it. But I don't talk to 400 people on a daily basis. You know what I mean? Like, sure. I wanted a very small circle, I guess is my point. And I also mm-hmm. knew that word was going to travel. Mm-hmm. You know, word was going to travel regardless. I wasn't looking forward to the journey. So the last thing I wanted to do was kind of document it out there and mm. on the internet, mm-hmm. you know, every step of the way. But I know for some people, it's very like healing to do that, mm-hmm. you know, to, to bring it out into the open and to say, this is what I'm going through and mm-hmm. to receive that. I think it speaks more to just how I am. I just, I'm more private, mm-hmm. which is hilarious since now I'm on a podcast talking about this. And so ironic because you wanted to hide your cancer journey and you started a nonprofit to support I women. Know, cancer. I know. <laughs> really, this is just a symbol of my growth as a person. Yes. <laughs> let's celebrate. <laughs> but no, I did not share on social media. But to your point about starting a blog, my sister immediately jumped in and started one of those sites, you know, that you can do. There's like lots of helping hands and carrying bridges mm-hmm. and, and things like that. There's lots of sites where you can start and document what's going on. So you don't have to repeat yourself a million mm-hmm. times, which can take a lot of stress off of people. Mm-hmm. And so my sister started that and she was going to kind of document for me and let everybody know what was going on. And I was like, no, 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 no. If we're going to do this, I'm going to put my own flair on it. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of hijacked it from her and I started writing my journey as I wanted it conveyed. Mm-hmm. You know, and actually it ended up being really super healing for me to do that. So I could share what I wanted, how I wanted, and I could, you know, kind of paint the picture the way I wanted it to be 
thought of. Sure. And people had the choice to follow you or not follow you. Right. Right. But it was all through this private site. So it wasn't out on social. People had to express an interest, then be let in. Yeah. And so then I felt like it was people who genuinely, you know, were invested in what what I was going through. Yeah. That's a really good option for people who would like to update a mass amount of people, but just don't have the time in the day to call every single person to kind of give them an update on, on what's new because things change sometimes weekly early in a diagnosis. Yeah. And I mean, did you find it tiring to try to explain to multiple people like what was going on? Yes. My husband's a firefighter. So he has a whole fire family who I remember him coming home and and him being like, Sarah, you have to make a Facebook post because people are asking me how you're doing. Like, update the people, you know? (laughs) The people want to hear from you. The people want to hear from you. And then, you know, you would get the text messages from people like, I don't want to bug you. You know, but I just want to know how you're doing. And, and I love the text messaging. Yes. Yes which, it, might, yes. which might be why I started a mentor program based on text messaging, yeah. because I feel like that way you can express interest without being too intrusive. Yes. Yeah, exactly. You're not, you know, I, I'm not taking up your your time with a phone call. You can text back whenever you feel comfortable. Yeah, I, I love your program. I digress. But updating everybody on social media is a really... I found it to be really helpful. And then on the platform, like you mentioned, is also a really good way to get to people and to and to update them. And you can easily tell people via a text message, hey, if you want to know how I'm doing, like I'm updating this page or my sister is updating this page for me. So how did you tell your family? Did, was it face to face or was it over the phone? Uh, face to face. So I have half my family lives half a state away. So a lot of that was over the phone just in the early stages because there was a lot going on. But the rest of my family is here and, and that was all face to face. And and of course, my mother came here whenever we would need kid care and, you know, help around the house or anything like that. So we got to have a lot of conversations face to face, face to face. It's, it was really easy for her to come here. What mm. about what about you? Did you tell? Heck no. <laughs> Are you sensing a theme? Yeah. <laughs> avoidance avoidance (laughs) avoidance avoidance um no i i put in calls to my closest friends and my mom and dad were actually snowbirding in florida when they got that call but they got phone calls and then i made my husband put in calls to like his family his close friends so yeah i made him do the dirty work there (laughs) and be the face for that side so yeah i i pretty early out of the gate was like "Mm." (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I think that I just needed more time to process. Mm, yes. I wasn't ready yet to come out, so to speak, mm-hmm. about this topic. I mean, but we've said this before. It starts moving really fast and you mm-hmm. almost feel like, well, you know, we got to tell people what's going on with us because mm-hmm. we're going to fall off the face of the earth for a little while. Yeah. And so you do, you realize you have to, you have to break the news. How much time between when you found out and when you told them? Because for me, it was a matter of like a day or so. I told my family? Uh-huh. I remember calling my mom as I was leaving from my biopsy, you know, and I do remember thinking, I don't want to say the C word to her. Mm-hmm. So I, I kept it because, you know, nothing was confirmed at that time. You don't want to create mass hysteria if there's no need. So I remember thinking that at the time, but, you know, we kind of all all knew at that point that, you know, the C word was actually the reality. But no, I told everybody, I told everybody right away. I'm pretty close with all of my family, so... Yeah, I, I kind of leaked it out a little bit at a time. But I again, I think that was just because I wasn't ready. Yeah. Like, I, I had not even processed the news. So the idea of having a conversation about it with somebody else was just like, no. Yeah, everybody goes on their own timeline. Right. I think some, some people have to step back and gauge how they feel first before they go tell somebody else because you want to make sure that you're rock solid in your 
emotions and how you're feeling about it before somebody else kind of comes in and has an effect on them too. Well, I was going to say, so we agree. It's awkward mm-hmm. telling people that you have cancer, right? Yeah. Like, what do you say to that? So then do you feel like people responded awkwardly or did you think that they really rose to the occasion? And Definitely rose to the occasion. I think, uh, I think what was really cool about telling people was they were like, you're going to beat this. I mean, this is, you're going to come out on the other side and you're going to be more epic for it, you know, and which is really good to hear in the moment. There were some people who probably responded in a way that was not, you know, favorably, or they didn't know what to say. I think, I think because I was so healthy, sometimes people would, you know, I had that a little bit of that guilt too. Really? You? Like you have cancer? That doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. So there were a few awkward responses, but the majority of them were really positive and really uplifting for me. So what about you? Uh, Yeah. I mean, obviously, I mean, my, my close family and friends were amazing. You know, I think as the circle grew and more and more people found out, I think that's where it gets a little awkward. Again, not nothing wrong, Mm -hmm. but it's just it's an awkward conversation. I mean, you you just got diagnosed with a life threatening disease. It's Mm -hmm. not party banter. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I how's your day? I have cancer. Right, (laughs) right, right. And so, I mean, I think now having been through it, I think that my response to somebody who was just newly diagnosed would is different now than it would have been prior to my own diagnosis. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think it is awkward for people to hear that you have cancer. They're not sure Mm -hmm. how to support you. Like you said, it it is a fine line, too, because you don't want pity, but -hmm. you do want support. Yeah. And so it's always trying to straddle that line between how do you respond in a way that's supportive and not pitying because nobody likes that. I think I will never uh, ever forget the way my best friend responded. She, we were texting back and forth and, and she asked a lot of questions about like what the testing was like and, and what I was going through and I'll never forget. And I feel like it was like one of the most empowering, empowering, but also like, I'm here for you. I'm standing next to you, whatever you need. But she responded and she said, what do you need? Do we need to cry together? Do we need to scream together? Do we need to go have a girl's night out? Like she Mm -hmm. asked me just like, what do you need right now? And I will do whatever you need. And that was exactly what I needed at that moment. I think I I cried from it, but then also was like, let's go do something fun, you know, get my mind off of it. And, and, you know, sometimes that's, that's exactly what you need is just need somebody to stand next to you. What are we doing? Yeah. What What, are we doing? What is the response here? Yeah. Yeah. I had two responses that I really liked. One was a really dear friend of mine. And um, when, when I told her she burst into tears on the phone (sighs) and it actually was the sweetest thing because I found myself going, oh my gosh, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, like you're, it's okay. And she's like, why am I crying when it's you? I don't yeah. know what's wrong with me. And it was so sweet. Mm-hmm. And so I actually just thought that was great. And then, um, and then the second response that I got was from my cousin's mom who had been married to my uncle. So they had gotten divorced. And so she and I were not in frequent contact at all, but I got this card in the mail and I opened it up and it said, well, this sucks. <laughs> And it was great because I was, and, and and then it was just love, you know, and her name. And mm-hmm. I loved it because mm-hmm. it was like, she wasn't trying to put a positive spin on it. Mm-hmm. She wasn't trying to make me feel better about it. It was just like so appropriate. And she yeah. hit me on the perfect day for that. And I laughed out loud. And so, you know, I think it's, I think it's interesting to hear how certain people respond. And I agree with you. I think the best thing you can do when somebody tells you they have cancer is, what do you need from me? What yeah. are we doing with this? How yeah. do you want me to respond? You know? Yeah. yeah I love that. That's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. So to lighten things up, because telling people that you have cancer is never easy. Let's do some boobs in the news. Boobs in the news. Boobs in the news. <laughs> boobs in the news. Boobs in the news. Boobs in the news. 
Okay, so for today's boobs in the news, we're going to do something a little bit different. This is not one story. I found a bunch of really funny headlines. Okay, oh, <laughs> I love it. So the boob actually is probably the the editor that I guess let this go through. I, I don't know how copy works, but the person who said that these headlines were a go to be printed, I think is the boob today. Okay, let's hear them. Homicide victims rarely talk to police. <laughs> True. We hate math, say four in 10, a majority of Americans. <laughs> Somebody can't do math. Breathing oxygen linked to staying alive. <laughs> what? You, should, can't, you can't make these up. People should be fired. What's happening? Statistics show that teen pregnancy drops off significantly after the age of 25. <laughs> you mean a young adult. Yeah. <laughs> Marijuana issue sent to a joint committee. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> China may be using the sea to hide its submarines. <laughs> Who would have thought? Who knew that? That's crazy. Federal agents raid gun shop. Okay. They find weapons. <laughs> uh, man kills himself and runs away. Mm. A nuclear explosion would be a disaster. <laughs> Those are hilarious. Yeah. Aren't those? Yeah. Now, here's my question. Are these reputable uh, news yeah, I think so. organizations or are we talking mm. about like, you know, the high school paper? I mean, the Sun-Times, I think, was one. Oh, now you're outing them. Oh, yeah. That's kind of bad. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows what those are? <laughs> Never mind. Don't come after us. Yeah, don't come after There's us. There's going to be a very scathing review of Boobs in the News <laughs> yes. at the Sun-Times now. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. All right, that was Boobs in the News. Boobs in the News. Boobs in the News. Boobs in the News. So let's talk about the kid factor, because you and I are both young survivors. We both had young children. And I don't know about you, but for me, my first thought after finding out was, oh, my gosh, how are we going to handle the kids? Was that similar for you? How did you tell um, your kids? Or it definitely wasn't one of my first thoughts, but I we're pretty open with our kids. At the time, we only had to tell one kid, and she was three and a half. Mm -hmm. So she was still pretty young. So it was a lot of kid talk, but we definitely were very open about what was going on. I think we told her, you know, about the surgery and how we were going to have her baby sister and what it was going to look like after. Mommy's going to have a couple surgeries. Mommy's going to have to take some medicine. We told her a lot about, like, what to expect with chemo. When I cut my hair, she actually got her hair cut with me that day um, when I cut my hair to donate it before chemo. I, I was a pretty open book for my daughter who was three and a half. So she didn't make a big deal about it. She did ask a few questions. You know, it, can I drink after you today, mommy? Like, did you have the medicine? I don't want to make my hair fall out. You know, so she kind of understood a little bit. But, you know, she was still pretty young at the time. What ages were your kids whenever you were going through everything? They were six, four, and one. And what I think is interesting is so you had a three-and-a-half-year-old. So I had a six, a four, and a one-year-old. And, I mean, we didn't really tell them, <laughs> which okay. is which is kind of contrary to what most advice suggests. I mean, I think most therapists and, and people in general and almost every single survivor I've spoken to I think the rule of thumb is to be very transparent, to be very open, obviously speak to them in a way that is, matches their age, but yeah, not to hide anything. I wouldn't say that I hid it from them, but we were very intentional about compartmentalizing each section versus saying mommy has this illness. We never mm -hmm. said mommy has this illness or mommy has cancer. Mm -hmm. 
my husband and I said to each other, if they ever directly ask us, we are not going to lie to our kids. Mm -hmm. We will tell them the truth. Um, But we're only going to answer the questions that they ask. And we're not going to presume to think that they need or want more information than they've asked for. Mm -hmm. And so that's how we went into it. And so, you know, we we said, you know, we just did each section on its own. Mommy's going to have surgery. It's going to be very similar to when she had the baby because I had had a C-section with my youngest. I'm going to stay in the hospital a day and then I'm going to recover. And they were like, oh, okay. And they didn't ask any more questions. And so that's exactly what happened. I had the surgery. I came home after a day. I recovered. They saw me completely normal. I was up and about very quickly. I never showed them my drains. I always had them tucked out of sight. They never, no, yeah, no, they never saw that. So they just saw me as my normal self. Mm -hmm. And so then after that was done and we knew we were going into chemo, I would say, hey, mommy's got to take some medicine and it's going to make her hair fall out. But you know what? It's going to come back around Christmas time. Mm -hmm. And so when that happened, they were just like, oh, okay. And they never asked a single question about it. Interesting. Which I joke about now because I'm like, come on, kids. Like, yeah, right. Like, where's, situational where's awareness. That, where's that? Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Where's the situational awareness or the inquisitiveness that you expect from a child? But mm-hmm. they they never asked us to go beyond that. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, there were days where I didn't feel well, but they saw many more days where I was acting completely normal mm-hmm. and doing my normal business. And I think that Gary and I felt strongly that children take their cues from their parents. So if we acted like everything was okay and that we were confident, then we felt like that would minimize the impact on them and they would then feel like there was nothing to be concerned with. There's obviously a danger in that, Mm -hmm. in that if they do have underlying anxiety and you're not talking about it, now it's become hidden Mm -hmm. or something that they can't ask about. And so that was always a concern of mine. Mm -hmm. But yeah, for the most part. And then radiation, they never knew I went to radiation because it was while they were in school. It was 10 minutes a day. I'm not showing them my radiated skin. So Mm -hmm. they just didn't bat an eyelash, honestly. Like we saw no difference in our kids whatsoever when we went through treatment. And in fact, the interesting part is that now my kids are 11, 9, and 5. And they only found out last year when I started the nonprofit that I had cancer. And they were blown away. So interesting. Yeah. I I kept telling my husband, I said, I I bet they suspect it. No, they had no clue. Mm. None. So I just think it's interesting um, because most moms or have definitely been way more transparent with their kids than we were. Mm-hmm. Do you think if um, if you had it to do again, would you do it differently? Uh, well, the jury's still out, right? Is yeah. my kid going to be on like a, a couch somewhere complaining about how I didn't, you know, I wasn't, <laughs> right. I wasn't transparent about my problems when I was younger. But I, I mean, right now, no. Yeah. I mean, because they didn't bat an eyelash and they went through treatment just mm-hmm. completely the same as usual. And now they just think I'm doing this really neat thing to help other cancer patients. I don't know. I don't regret it. Mm-hmm. Will they later feel like I made the wrong decision? That's always the question as a parent, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We asked ourselves that about everything. Yeah. yeah. And I, I do think this, I'm obviously a much more private person than you are. And mm-hmm. so, but in my mind, I was protecting them. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's necessarily true. But, yeah. But that, yeah. that was how I felt about it. I want to protect your childhood. I want to mm-hmm. keep you from the hard things. You're too little to have to deal with this at your age. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to know. Now, Gary and I did say, you know, obviously we can do this at this point in our journey, but Mm -hmm. let's just say the cancer comes back. That's a Mm -hmm. different conversation. Right. But we had decided we will handle that should it arise. And we weren't going to go into it with that possibility up front. And every family dynamic I think is so different. You Mm -hmm. know, I was fortunate to have a three and a half year old who, you know, you could kind of 
sugarcoat, I guess, mm-hmm. um, what was going on and still be real about it. But you kind of get to be real with a three-year-old mentality. Mm-hmm. And if you've got older kids, that makes it a little bit more difficult. Like how much do you really share like without it being something that they're fearful of mm-hmm. or something that they will be traumatized by watching you go through? And and every kid is different. Some kids are really feel for their parents and and have a hard time watching somebody go through something hard. So Every family dynamic is different. I don't think anybody does it the, quote, right way. Mm -hmm. Um, It's going to be right for what's right for your family. Well, and I think for me, it's less about how much information you share versus like how how do you express emotion in front of your children? Mm -hmm. Because we talked about this. You said that you would cry in front of your kids when you were upset or having a bad day, whereas I was just like, never. (laughs) Like, I'm never going, they're never going to see me break down under this circumstance. I mean, Mm -hmm. I would... And, and again, I am not at all suggesting that that's healthy. It, it probably most people would say that that's the unhealthy way to handle it. But if I felt myself in, in danger of kind of crumbling emotionally, I would excuse myself and have that moment in private mm-hmm. versus like, you know, having that in front of my children. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of still question that if there's one thing that I do question, it's is that emotionally healthy or mm-hmm. is it good to show your kids that you're, you don't always have it together, that you're a human being, that you have sadness and anger, just like everybody else. I would venture to say that that's probably more healthy. It's so funny that you're saying, I actually just watched inside out with my girls last night. And I think at the end of the movie, really what they say is like, there is a place for sadness mm-hmm. in everybody. Mm-hmm. And I think, Showing your kids that you can have all of the emotions and mm-hmm. all of the emotions have a place and a time mm-hmm. for us and for our family, it's healthier that way than to shut yourself in the bathroom or, um, you know, lock away those feelings like they don't happen. Like the world is going to deal everybody, you know, the cards that they deal and they're not all going to be happy sunshine cards. So. I agree. I agree. Yeah. So I think if there's a regret, it's that I, I think that I should have possibly shown more emotion because you're right. I want my kids to be emotionally healthy. I want them to understand that life, you know, is going to throw things at you that require emotions other than just, you know, confidence and happiness. So interesting topic. Yes, it is very. So before we go into some resources that we have, um, recommendations for kids, let's hear from our sponsor. For comprehensive women's health care, Barnes Jewish, St. Peter's, and Progress West Hospital are your best choice for doctors, new technologies, and personalized care. With a broad range of women's health services, including breast health, continence and pelvic pain therapy, OBGYN care, and a birthing center, by choosing a BJC healthcare facility, you become part of a network that provides the world's best medicine. Schedule an appointment today by calling 636-928-WELL. That's 636-928-9355. Okay, so we are back. Let's talk about what we think might be helpful resources for somebody when they're trying mm-hmm. to decide how to tell people. Yeah. So I know that um, Faith Through Fire has a Build-A-Bear program. Is that correct? Yes, we do. Yes. It's actually so adorable, you guys. Um, so we partnered with Build-A-Bear in St. Louis to provide bears to uh, children impacted by breast cancer. So for all you young moms out there who have young kids and you're trying to figure out, you know, how you're going to tell them this news, a lot of moms are using the bears as a tangible source of emotional support. 
while they go through the treatment process. So you can get on faiththroughfire.org and request a Build-A-Bear for your kids or kids, um, and we're happy to send those to you. So yeah, that's that's one way that you can use resources to help your kids. Did you use any books? I did not use any books, but I, you know, looking back, I kind of wish I had because I know there's a whole bunch of them. Um, there for like preschool, elementary age, there is Nowhere Hair. And actually, now that you're saying that, Nowhere Hair, uh, one of our mentors in the program, that's the book she read to her son. And he uh-huh. was two. Oh, perfect. He was two and she read Nowhere Hair. I remember her telling me mm-hmm. that. So that's a good one. It's. I think that that's the most tangible thing that kids see. Even now, my kid, Piper, my older one, she will see somebody, you know, we'll be in Aldi and she'll be like, hey, mom, they have hair like you had. <laughs> you know, she'll point it out. But it, it's something that kind of sticks with them. Even when they grow up and grow older, they'll remember that, that you had that time in your life. So that's a, a good topic to talk about. Um, older elementary or middle school kids, there is a book called Our Family Has Cancer Too. Mm-hmm. And then there's some teen and young adult books. Um, one is Too Stressed to Think, which is a teen guide to stay insane when life makes you crazy. A Teaspoon of Courage by Bradley Trevor. I think that those would be really good. I think when we talk about like how to tell people you blogged, I used one of those websites that you can set up that do the meal train and you can keep people updated, you know, all at once. And I think that's really helpful. It's going to look different for everybody. Every family dynamic is different. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's something that we're just going to keep emphasizing in every episode (laughs) is that you are an individual. And Mm -hmm. as such, you are going to have different comfort levels with different ways of doing things. And I, you know, I will fully admit that the way I do things, they're not always 100% in the column with how everybody else does them. But I think that's the point, right? Yeah, the whole point is you live and you learn. And, you know, you could always do things differently or you grow from it. And being able to talk about it now and starting a nonprofit where you do basically the opposite of what you did going through treatment, you're there to help other people. So. Well, and it, you know what, guys, that that is really the key to all this, right? Is to use your breast cancer experience to grow as a person. It mm-hmm. is so good for that. I mean, mm-hmm. there are a lot of bad things that, that come with a cancer diagnosis, but the best thing is the growth that you will have as a person. I agree. Everybody's different. Do what you feel like is in the best. You know, that's the other thing, too. You guys know your kids better than anyone else. So I can have professionals tell me I should do something a certain way, but I know my kids better than they do. And so you have to know what's best for your family. Yep. Now that we have talked to you guys about how we told our family and our kids, next time we are going to dive into more of the decision-making process, this time centered around what kind of surgery Sarah and I had. Until next time. Until next time.